0: New on CuriosityStream.
1: From time to time, we have collisions between asteroids and the Earth. We
0: track them. We study them. We hope the big one never comes. Don't look up. It's asteroid rush. And alligators. They rarely get sick. They even outlasted the dinosaurs. Could they hold the secret to human longevity? Their blood could have antibacterial applications. Wade into the investigation on immortal alligators. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.
2: Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information.
3: Bradfoe Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradfo Show. That's delicious. We have a third member of the Bradford Show Hall of Fame. Yes, we do. Joining Joe Kelly, David Ross is one Travis Shaw, formerly of the Red Sox, formerly of the Brewers now. He has been inducted in the Bradford Show Hall of Fame and a big part of the criteria for induction is availability. Is the willingness to go on the podcast any at a moment's notice to do so with gusto, to understand the spirit of the podcast, to understand what this thing is all about and how it's been built. And this is a fun, fun, fun thing to do. And that's why they keep coming on. Travis Shaw has always been that way when he's with the Red Sox. He hasn't been on in a few years, but. He just is non-tendered for the Brewers. He could have easily said, "No, you know, I'm just going to wait before I do any podcasting." But no, text him when up here on the Bradfoe Show, absolutely. So here he is, Bradfoe Show Hall of Famer Travis Shaw. He is a free agent. He talks about free agency. He talks about his time with the Red Sox. He talks about what happened with the Brewers. A very, very interesting part of it is him talking about going to a hitting guru, one of these hitting gurus last off season and how that worked against him, which is something that we're sort of hearing more and more about, but he could have gone back and signed with the Brewers. Instead, he chose to be a free agent. I think that he understood that teams know that just two years ago, 2017, 2018, you're talking about 63 total home runs. You're talking about an OPS of about 850. And yes, it was not good last year. 157, 551 OPS. But when you have the type of potential that have showed the previous two years, it makes a lot of sense to give this guy a call. And teams have been calling on him, as he points out in the podcast. One of which mm, may, 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 may not be. Boston Red Sox, they have an opening for a left-handed hitting first baseman who could play second base and third base. Anyway, we could talk all about that stuff, but we start out with the official induction to the Bradford Show Hall of Fame. Congratulations to the entire Shaw family. Here he is. All right. To say we're honored is an understatement. May 6, 2017 was the last time this voice was heard on the Bradford Show. Does that seem like a long time ago? Does it seem like yesterday, Travis Shaw? That seems like a long
1: time ago. Actually, <laughs> How do you say that, '17 you know, seems so far
3: away. <laughs> um, well, I don't want to. I don't want to bury the lead here. I, I do, as I um, said, I think in my text, you were on the verge of becoming the third inductee into the Bradford Show Hall of Fame, and by picking up the phone tonight. I am officially inducting you in the Bradfoe Show Hall of Fame. Congratulations. I
1: feel honored. I feel honored. <laughs> do, do, do you have
3: do you have a t you have an old school Bradfoe T shirt, don't you? Do, you, do I do ever give you a T shirt?
1: Yeah, I got like one of the first ones, I think. Like yeah. One of the, the first made T shirts.
3: So Yeah, well there a you go. Can can you guess the other two members of the Bradfoe Show Hall of Fame?
1: Are they players?
3: Uh one's a player, he's no longer with the Red Sox. The other is a manager.
1: Okay. Uh, was the player a pitcher? Yes, I get two decent guesses. We got. I'm gonna guess Joe Kelly or Purcell.
3: Joe. Kelly. <laughs> See, my- but by by those guesses, I know that you are an avid listener to the Brad show. Still, <laughs> right? <laughs> I still follow you on Twitter. Get all the, get all the Joe Joe Kelly Joe Kelly is the correct answer, and the manager would be. You might not get this one. A manager.
1: No, I don't, I don't know this
3: one. D- David Ross. Okay. Yeah, David Ross, yes. Alex Cora was trending that way, but then you get the Red Sox manager and it's conflict of interest. Um, there we go. Uh, so, uh, so good to talk to you, man. Like so, you, like you, we were just saying, you're down in Fort Myers. You bought a house there um, with every intention of spending all your spring trainings, <laughs> I'm sure, on, on Daniels Parkway. Um, I did. Yeah. <laughs> What, what, so when you look back, like we talked about how long ago that, that is. And I think we talked, it was May, you know, you off to the heart start with Milwaukee. You've been traded so forth and so on. Does it, does it seem like, so we're talking about three seasons now. I mean, does it seem like an obscenely long time since you wore Red Sox uniform?
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, I, it, it's crazy to think about because I came up with the Red Sox, I mean, drafted in 2011. So I spent a lot of time with the Red Sox, but in the big leagues, I've actually worn a Milwaukee uniform longer than a Red Sox uniform, which is kind of weird to think about now. Um, but yeah, 2017, there's just been so much that's happened over those three years that to the, like the, the season in 2016, my last year, uh, with Boston, it just, Seems like a lifetime ago to me
3: right now. How how have you changed like since the times where you were driving around in golf carts with Devin Marrero or Mookie Betts or whatever you were doing? Well, back then I was
1: considered a young pup, but now I I think I'm a little older now, a little bit more maturity. Um, Physically, I'm in a lot better place than I was when I was with the Red Sox a few years ago. Um, Just Overall, just completely different. I I have a little girl now. She's two years old, so oh, there's just there's been a lot that's changed since since I was over there.
3: What's your what's your daughter's name?
1: Her name's Ryan.
3: We will send Ryan a a miniature Brad Show T-shirt. There um, we go. Yes. Perfect. There, there there you go. When you look back when you look back at that last, I, re- I always remember. Obviously, you had that those last couple of months where the Red Sox were were rough. The Mancata stuff, and then you know fighting you fighting through you know, uh, just finding some playing time. But then I always remember that last game when the Red Sox were eliminated. I mean, you had the hit. This is uh, the, the ALDS against Cleveland. You you step in, you hit a laser, and then the, the last out of the game was an absolute rocket. I mean, that was your last at-bat with the Red Sox, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah I
1: mean, those are the only two at-bats I had the series, too. So I think before that series, I played against Toronto – I think that was the last series of the year, but it had been like ten or eleven days since I had an at bat in a game. And then, like you said, the first at bat, I pinch hit in the seventh inning, uh, was able to get a hit. And then that last at bat, three two count, I remember it was obviously we're we're facing elimination. There's two outs, and I actually hit the ball extremely well, uh, just kind of straight up in the air and flew right. out. Unfortunately,
3: that was the lasting memory of me at Red Sox. Season. Well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because you go back to that the end of that season, and and I use uh, having covered that and and seeing you go through it. I, I always remember uh, when somebody gets called up early. I always use the Mancata thing, like I always use that as a hey, listen, you know what? You, you you think you think this is this is the way to go, but be careful. Because, yep. I mean, right? I mean, that 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 Friday night in Oakland where they called him up, I think it was a Friday night in Oakland, they call him up and you play and knowing that they're saying, oh, this guy's going to play all the time and you have this monster game. Remember that?
1: Yeah, I was actually told before that game, too, that they were going to, after that, I was playing that night just to let him get his feet wet a little bit up there and then after that, uh, it was my cottage job, so that was kind of, I was told before the game that this was probably going to be it, and for, at least for me starting. I mean, they were going to obviously try to get me a bats here and there, but uh, I had a good idea going into that game, and that Friday night in Oakland was one of my better games of the season.
3: Yeah, it was good because I remember you were on the the wildly popular Wei broadcast uh, pre post game show, and yep. yeah, and I remember I forget who was with me it was with Joe or Tim Everett. And we had you on the post-game show, and they were so sheepish because they knew that it was such a, like, a quote-unquote controversial topic. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? The guy <laughs> the guy had a great game. We're going to ask him about it, you know? So, yeah,
1: it was, I mean, that was, like you said, that was a lifetime ago. I was still in my first full season. Um, I've grown up a lot since then, so I, I've gone through a lot so far in my big league career, and... I think it's. I think it's helped
3: me a lot. Uh, I think you handled it fine. So yeah. t- So feel good about that. Um, so when you when you talk about you know whatever the evolution of Travis Shaw over the last three years with Milwaukee, what are some of the things you had? You had the first two years where you hit sixty three home runs over a couple of years. Um, going back to those two years what what are the thing what what just what click for you what was the thing was it just time was it just hey you know what it was the right place at the right time and and the evolution of of your abilities as a major league player and in, in in milwaukee reap the benefits
1: yeah I think so i mean um sixteen was my first full season, so that was like the first full major league season I had so obviously you're gonna you're going to take some stuff once you look back on that and reflect from it. And then once I got traded over to Milwaukee, I mean, they instilled confidence from me from the beginning. They were just like, you're our guy. You're going to play third every day. Um, just come here, relax, and, and show what you can do. And um, got off to a good start there in 17 and kind of established myself as a middle-of-the-order type of hitter. Um, and then took that into 18 and kind of built off that a little bit as well. And then position changed. So that was another thing I was proud of in Milwaukee was – I know it's not my natural everyday position, but I think I showed it out to play second base a little bit, which is only going to help me move forward.
3: How uh, Do you think that you would have been able to do what you did in Milwaukee if you stayed in Boston?
1: It's hard to tell. I mean, if I had to say yes or no, I would probably say no, just because Milwaukee was in, in 2017, Milwaukee was in a little different place than the Red Sox were. I mean, we weren't expected to really compete that year. We ended up only missing the playoffs by a game, but I mean, early in the season, it was, I was thrown out there every day, lefties, righties, it didn't matter. I mean, I was literally in the lineup hitting fourth every day the entire season, and um, I think that allowed me to kind of just get the reps that I needed to kind of make adjustments here and there to to make myself a better hitter, a more complete hitter. And not saying that I would have, wouldn't have would have succeeded in Boston, but also uh, that leash is a little longer in Milwaukee when you're not really expecting to compete. And you don't have, I mean, up and down the, the roster, if you look at the, the Milwaukee roster in 2017 versus the Red Sox roster in 2017, I mean, some pretty big names on that Red Sox team, so uh, I just think the leash was a little bit longer. It was a little bit more relaxed, and obviously, I think that can help. Uh, that can help players.
3: Did you change anything? Or did you change like we talk about stance, approach? You know, Honestly, launch angle. To,
1: that year, I tried to hit the ball on the ground, like as much as everybody's like. Did you really? Fly ball, yeah, fly ball revolution. I mean, I I talked to Braun a little bit in spring training that year. I looked at his like numbers and his advanced stats and like his ground ball rate and all that. And I saw. He he hit the ball on the ground a lot more than I guessed he would have. So it was something that um, I worked on, and it was something that I tried to get on top of the ball because I have a natural, a little bit of a natural loft in my swing. So, so that year I kind of focused on trying to hit the ball on the ground and see, just see what would happen. And it it just took off from there.
3: So did, as that goes along and as the evolution or the revolution in baseball happens with everyone want launch angle and everyone telling you to do the exact opposite over the last few years, did people say, Hey, you know what, you know, you got to do this because but Travis, like there's been plenty of players, even in, in the Red Sox system where they, they thought they want me to do this. And it just hasn't taken. I mean, it just some for some guys it works, and some guys it doesn't. Did anyone say, "Hey, stop trying to hit it on the ground, and start trying to hit it in the air"?
1: No, not really. I mean, my ground ball rate went up a little bit. It wasn't like absurd. So for me, it was it was more a mindset. I mean, I was still hitting the ball in the air plenty. It was just more of a mindset for me to try to get on top of the ball, and it allowed me to hit more line drives and more true fly balls instead of like popping balls up. And honestly, it was. Like you said, there's there's a lot of hitting gurus out there now, and I actually went to one last off season, and I think that was part of the part of the reason I struggled a little bit. I tried to fix something that really didn't need fixed, and uh, for me, it's just some some things work with certain guys, and you just have to know your swing. I mean, if it doesn't work for you, then you got to find something that works for you and just stick with it.
3: You know, I think that that's that's becoming not a common theme, but a theme that where. The, the whole idea of the hitting gurus and everyone trying to to do stuff. Um, I don't know how you ended up there. I don't know. Like, was it advice from like a, like a teammate or a coach? Yeah, it was. A,
1: it, was uh, it was advice from a from a couple of teammates on the Red Sox actually. So I will not name names, but there were a was it out, guys that
3: was it out in California. But,
1: yeah, it was out in California. All right, so, so
3: yeah, so we well, you know who it is. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah.
1: So I went out there, and I mean, I, everything they told me made complete sense. I loved the the ideas and everything, but for some reason, it just didn't work for me. And I mean, I did it all last off season, trying to kind of perfect that, and then got off to the slow start and just couldn't get back to where I was before. But um, towards the end of the year, I was able to kind of. I felt like I was in a good place back to where I was in 17 and 18, and now this off season I've completely reset and starting to hit now, and it, it feels back to normal with my old swing. I
3: mean, so. I mean, Travis, you aren't alone. The, the you know, probably the person we're talking about, or one of the people we're talking about. You know, I interviewed Jackie Bradley, and and um, in December of last year, and he was so excited. And he said, you know, everything that I've learned before is, is was basically wrong, and I think that everything that I'm doing now is right. And that's cool. I mean, that's fine. You want to feel good about your swing, and it's just fascinating to me when you feel that good about a swing that you feel that good, like you probably did heading into spring training. I feel this. I feel like whatever changes I made probably was is, is the magic elixir. And then, yes. and then, right. I mean, it's, that's weird. And then it doesn't yeah, I mean, translate.
1: It just, yeah, it just didn't work. And obviously I didn't do, I didn't end up doing it. It was just, I think it was like, so like I built it into my habits a little bit. Cause I, I worked on it so much this past off season. And then, and then I get into spring training and it wasn't really working. So I kind of bailed on it, uh, middle of spring training. And I mean, I was able to have some success back even in spring training, hit the ball. Well, struck out a lot more than I, I'm used to, but, um, for some reason, there was just a minor little mechanical issue all season that we couldn't seem to grasp and get a hold of. But towards the end of the year, uh, it was fixed a little bit. And right now, very confident that it's, it's back to where it needs to be.
3: Was it, was it just because you feel like there was just some residual um, effects from the initial change in the offseason that sort of just hung around?
1: Yeah, I think so. And then obviously you get off to a slow start. And I didn't start very hot this year. And then you just try to catch up. And then it just it just all spiraled out of control this year.
3: So you, since you said you follow me on Twitter, did you see the story I wrote the other day?
1: I didn't see it. Someone sent it to me, though. So I was able – I didn't see it from you, but someone actually sent it over to me. So I saw the story.
3: Well, yeah, there you go. So yeah. let, let it begin. Let it be said. <laughs> let it begin. Uh, how, tra- you know, analyzing the, the potential return of Travis Shaw to Boston. I, I'm sorry, Travis, I don't mean to put pressure on you. I know I, I don't mean, but, <laughs> but listen, as soon as I saw that you were non-tendered, you know, I'm just like, you know, this makes sense to me. It just makes sense. And I I tried to paint the picture in, in that article. And, and some of the reasons, which I'm sure you read was because number one, because, you know, you're a left-handed hitting first baseman. and. Yep and you play in, and, and the other part about it is that, as you point out, you are you play three different positions in the infield, which in this day and age of baseball always is a good thing. Um, so I hope that article made some sense. Or, or was I completely off base?
1: No, you're completely right on base. I mean, it was, like you said, I got non-tendered this week. That was, uh, it was kind of a hard decision the Brewers did offer me, but uh, we just decided that, I decided that I kind of wanted a fresh start and was willing to kind of risk to see what was out there, uh, see what was out free agent-wise, and uh, just wanted a fresh start kind of after everything that happened last year. So, um, like you said, it, it, it makes sense on paper. Now we'll see what happens <laughs> with who else calls and what other teams call, and we're, that's what kind of what we're sorting through now. We've had quite a bit of interest so far over this, over this week, which is an encouraging sign for me, and uh, we'll just go from there.
3: Well, the first question, were you surprised? Were you surprised about the, the about the non tender?
1: Not really. I mean, we this is something me and my agent had talked about uh, weeks, a couple weeks leading up into it, and we had a lot of discussions that day with the Brewers, and they kind of laid their final offer and said, "This is kind of what we what we can do, and if not, we're going to non tender you." We just didn't see eye to eye on what that offer was, and we both decided to kind of go our separate ways.
3: Has has. In the last couple of years, free agency hasn't been exciting for many people, but it seems like this, at least early on, it might be a little different. Um, and like you said, other it, it sounds like teams have already sort of shown interest. Is it is there a sense of excitement for you because of that?
1: Yeah, for sure, because right now I kind of have, have the control. I can kind of figure out which fit is best for me, um, where it looks right, where it feels right, and I know I'm probably going to take a little bit of a hit um, financially this year compared to what i would have would have made an arbitration with the brewers but um that was something i was willing to risk to kind of reestablish myself on the market hopefully this 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 coming year and kind of like a one-year show me deal that's kind of what what we were hoping for and we don't know, really know what the offers are going to be but it was something i was willing to risk moving forward and i just thought i just think if i can find the right fit the right opportunity for me i can put last year i can show that last year was an anomaly and Kind of just move forward and put that year behind
3: me. You said at the end of the year you start feeling better. Did you? Uh, is is did you start feeling like you know the guy that you were the previous two years?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there, I wasn't I wasn't playing a lot the last few weeks of the season. Um, we were in a pretty tight race, and Moose, and Kessa, they were hitting the ball really well, so there wasn't really a spot for me to, to play to start. I mean, I was getting some pinch hits. I was getting on base while I was pinch hitting, but. Uh, when i wasn 't starting i I took a lot of swings in the cage those last few weeks, and I feel like something clicked in there, and I was able to kind of at least feel like I was back to where I was before
3: so basically it 's going to come down between the red Sox and twins because you don 't want to leave your house <laughs> right yeah
1: well, well, <laughs> um,
3: so it's when when you look at when you look at um where you are in your career uh it's, like you said, I don't know if you use the word aberration, but anomaly. Uh, I mean, th- this is this is still, you're a young man, Travis. Congratulations on being a young man. And as you're a young man, and are you, I mean, is this sort of as bad and tough as last year was? Like, are you, like, sort of re-energized by this whole thing?
1: Oh, yeah. This, is, this put a big chip on my shoulder, and um, I feel like there's a lot of people that forgot, very quickly this 2017, 2018 season. I mean, there was 1200 plate appearances in those two seasons versus only 250 this year. So it's amazing how, how quick some people can forget. But at the same time, like, like I just said, there's a, there's a big chip on my shoulder, super motivated, super determined to kind of prove that last year was a fluke and that's not me. And I did a lot of work to get to where I was. Um, those two seasons with the Brewers, the first two seasons with the Brewers, and, and I'm ready to get back to that that level
3: of performance. Yeah, man, like 63 home runs and an OPS of whatever, 850. I mean, that's this wasn't long ago. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's why, and that's why I have you already slotted back in with the Red Sox. So <laughs> congratulations. Yeah, I'm definitely
1: ready for uh, 2020. Start. So <laughs> whoever gets me is going to get a super motivated player.
3: Well, oh, that's pretty cool. So, you I mean, I would imagine you still keep in touch with everybody back uh, yep. with. Well, I mean, you probably see the guys too in Fort Myers, some of them, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've golfed with Price. Actually, gone golfing with Price and Sale a couple times. So, uh, Mookie, I talk to at least once, once, once a week, once every other week. Jackie, so all those guys I still keep very close contact with.
3: You know, it's funny you mentioned Mookie. You know, I I wrote this the other day. Like, I don't like going to Christmas parties. Because, go, you know, as what happens is that everyone wants to do the small talk. This year, the small talk is what's going to happen with Mookie. For you, though, it must be insane. You can't go to Christmas. I mean, I'm a sports reporter. For you, it must be the, like, and I don't know if they, if they ask you about Mookie, but you have the same thing. This is a bizarre question, I know. But when you go to Christmas parties, are you like, oh, don't ask me about baseball?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a little <laughs> I don't think people realize how confusing and like how complicated like the arbitration process is, and all the ins and outs of like the business side of baseball. And that's a lot of people don't realize what goes on behind the scenes and what's talked about and why someone does this or why they're talking about trading this guy, this and that. So it's just for me, I try to keep it as simple as possible around the holidays. So what?
3: what so what? What is the thing when people when when you get non tenor the other day? What was the thing? Did you get, like, a bunch of texts? Do you people, like, think that, you know, that you died? Did, you know, did,
1: <laughs> no, a lot of people just ask, like, so what's – they're, like, do you, so you get to pick where you want to go? Like, and everybody's like, you should come back to – play obviously for my hometown team which is the reds or the indians a lot of people from where i'm from were like oh you should come play for the reds or the indians and i'm like well it's not that simple so we'll see what we'll see what happens and who calls me and go
3: from there yeah it was weird that, every, that somebody with the reds and the indians media they wrote the exact same story i did about the red Sox. Uh, yeah so well i i said since, since you follow me on twitter um what what is the thing that I hope that I've been able to keep you in touch? Feel like you are still here through through my witty uh, Twitter <laughs> Twitter Twitterisms. Yeah,
1: I still feel in touch with the Red Sox. I mean, I grew up there. You, know, you guys got me when I was a little kid, just out of college. So See, there's, you, still some, you say, there's still some there's still some ties in there.
3: It's like you say, like three you know, like uh, three years ago, you grew up so much. But like, like I thought you were like pretty mature back then. I, like, honestly. Like no I was. I'm just saying there's there's been
1: a lot like obviously some just more just more experience. Let's just say that.
3: Okay, that's fair. Um all right, well, Travis, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. And uh and a, and a new in the new version of the t-shirt's coming your way with with a special Hall of Fame uh emblem. I, I there we go. I'm pretty impressed that you knew that Joe Kelly was in the Bradford Show Hall of Fame. So I
1: just I didn't know he was, but I just for some reason I saw him on your on your show a lot, so I was like it's got to be him.
3: Yeah, well, because you know he got a when he won the World Series, uh, Lord Hobo Brewing Company, which is our fine sponsor, they gave him a, a, a lifetime supply of Boom Sauce, which is an IPA. So okay. yeah, so if you want it, I can make that happen for you.
1: <laughs> Alright, I
0: appreciate it. New on Curiosity Stream.
3: With my infrared drone, I can see what others can't. Drone
0: pilot Doug Thrawn uses his bird's eye view for the ultimate good, saving animals from desperate situations around the globe. Join the rescue effort on a new season of Doug to the rescue.
2: And you, you
1: captured a Confederate steamboat. We're taking a ship to freedom.
0: An enslaved crew, a stolen vessel, and a civil war dash to salvation on impossible escapes. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 dollar 67 a month.
2: Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information.
4: Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means high visibility polarized lenses, well-constructed durable frames, and not to mention they replace lost and broken shades. Shady Rays includes lost or broken protection on every new pair purchased. They'll send you a brand new pair if you lose or break them, no matter what happened. See ShadyRays.com for details. Shady Rays offers free 30-day returns and exchanges so you can find the best fit for you. Try them, and if you don't love them, you'll pay nothing. It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to fight hunger in America with your order, adding to over 20 million meals donated to date. Exclusively for our listeners, head to ShadyRays.com MLB to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's ShadyRays.com MLB for the best deal of the season. 50% off two or more pairs. And try for yourself the polarized sunglasses rated five stars by over 150,000 people.